Hello and welcome to Weathering the Storm, a podcast to help us weather the storms of life by sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles, and I'm so thankful that you have taken the time to join us today on this podcast. We are now in season two of Weathering the Storm, uh, and so I appreciate all of our listeners and those who have uh, subscribed and, and liked our page on Facebook and, and listen uh, each week. I appreciate your encouragement and the prayers uh, that you've offered on, on the behalf of this podcast. And of course, the goal is to strengthen the saved, but also reach the lost and let them know that they can turn to God and, and he'll be there for them uh, as they obey him. Uh, today, we have a special guest, just like we did last week. We, we want to have guests each week on this podcast. And so uh, today we have Caleb Rutherford with us. Caleb and I went to the Memphis School of Preaching together, and we've kept in contact ever since. And so I appreciate Caleb and, and the good work that he's doing. And I want to let him kind of introduce himself and talk about some of the works he's doing in the kingdom. Caleb, if you will, introduce yourself, brother. Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on the podcast uh, um, today. I really appreciate the work that you're doing in Georgia and the good family that you have um, and the work that you're doing for the Lord. Uh, but again, my name is Caleb. I'm uh, 23 years old. I'm currently serving as the youth minister uh, for the East Hill Church of Christ um, here in Pulaski, Tennessee. If you don't know where that is, really small town. We're about an hour uh, south of Nashville, about 45 minutes uh, north of Huntsville. Uh, so we're deep south uh, Tennessee. Um, but join the work here. I've been here actually eight weeks today, so two months today. We, uh, we've been here. Time's just flying by, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But we're really enjoying the work. Uh, before this, I was in uh, North Carolina uh, in the Winston-Salem area. I served as a youth minister there uh, for a couple of years. I uh, worked with my dad. He's the preacher there now at the uh, Warner's Chapel, Church of Christ. I appreciated my time there. But then, like Drew said, uh, from 20, I was there. I was at Memphis from 2015 to 2017, graduated in 2017. Drew, I guess you started in 2016. Is that right? Right. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, so we overlapped one year, and so we were able to – some interaction uh, with each other. I mean, I enjoyed getting to know him and his his good wife, and and uh, of course their son at that time. And of course now they have now they got a full house now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but, um, for those of you who don't know me, um, I was born in Seoul, South Korea. I was adopted. I was six months old. Uh, I've lived in here in the U.S. ever since. I uh, grew up in St. Louis. I was there for uh, I guess sixteen and a half years, seventeen years. Um, then went to Memphis, North Carolina, and then now in Tennessee. Uh, married uh, Kaylin, uh, formerly Davis. Um, she is from the Dallas, uh, Texas area. Her father, uh, Joey Davis, is a preacher down there in the Roanoke area. He also graduated from Memphis um, in, I think, 2004. Um, uh, but we have been married for this December. We'll make three years. Um, wow. So we're just, just plugging right along. I know. Time's fl- time is flying. It is. Flying. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I was flying by. Uh, I appreciate you being on this podcast. Um, I am also the host of a podcast, um, the Transformed Podcast, and um, you can find us on any major podcast platform. So Apple Podcasts, Google, um, iHeartRadio, um, Spotify, Stitcher, anything like that. You can also find our social media pages. We are on Twitter at TransformPDCT, and then you can also find us on Instagram um, at the underscore transformed underscore podcast, and then also we are on Facebook, so we certainly appreciate the support. Um, I've had Drew on my podcast as well. I think it goes back to early season two. Uh, for me when I had him on, but I always appreciate being able to talk about the Word of God with Drew, and I'm thankful uh, for the opportunity that we have here today. Man, I really appreciate you joining, and uh, of course, the topic today, weathering the storm by transforming, uh, you're the first person that came to mind because of your podcast being called Transform. So I know you've been thinking about this concept a lot, and it's something that I believe is extremely important 
when it comes to our mindset, especially with all that's going on uh, in 2020. And so I'm hoping that, that studying this topic today, our listeners will be encouraged uh, to weather the various storms that they may be facing. And so as we begin, I want to ask the question, what does it mean to transform? So Caleb, I want to ask you, how would you describe or how would you define uh, transformation? You know, I think, I think about this idea of transforming. Um, I think about anything, whether it be, uh, you know, any kind of person, animal, whatever it might be, and they're changing their form, they're changing their appearance into something different. And I would beg to say that most of the time it's transforming into something that's better, something that's it's something better than what they used to be. Um, you think about you think about a butterfly. It, mm-hmm. It's that caterpillar, um, and then it goes into that chrysalis, and then after time it transforms into what? This, this beautiful butterfly, right? And it goes out, does whatever it's supposed to do. Um, you can think about, you know, Drew, you and I both come from sports backgrounds. You think about a player, a rookie, somebody who comes in and who doesn't really know a whole lot. But over time, as they're growing, and I think this word grow is going to come up a lot in this podcast because um, it goes into this idea of transforming. But you see him transform into this better player, into this more uh, more mature player, someone who knows how to how to work and how to play better. Um, and so I think about us as Christians, too, though, obviously in the most important way, we as Christians um, – we have to continue transforming, something that we have to continue to do. And we're going to talk about that later on as well. But when I, talk, when I think about the word transform, I think really kind of two things come to mind as Christians. Number one, when we talk about transforming, we, we as individuals, we go from, we transform from out of the world into being a Christian. I think, you know, regardless of whether or not you grew up in the church or you didn't, you still have that influence of the world that's around you. And you still have all the people around you who can, who can influence you to do bad things and things you shouldn't do. And so everyone, in a sense, is transforming from being away from the world and into being a more holy and more perfect and more pure Christian. Um, and then number two, I think about when you become that Christian, you then transform from being a babe in Christ into someone who is a more mature Christian. Um, it's, it's that growing process and you go through those growing pains. And again, I think that word grow is going to come up a lot um, in, the, in this episode, but that's kind of what comes to my mind when we think about this idea of transforming and when we talk about um, it from like a Christian standpoint. Yeah, both of those thoughts are great. And, and that's exactly kind of what I was thinking. Jackson loves the hungry caterpillar, uh, you know, reading that book. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you, you mentioned that you know, the caterpillar goes in cocoon, it, it comes out a butterfly. There's a complete and total change that takes place. And you brought right. out an extremely important point that when you become a Christian, there ought to be a very visible change that takes place. Uh, right. you mentioned coming out of the world and the idea of the church. Well, that's what the word church means is the called out. Uh, so right. you're called out of the world and into Christ by the gospel. Uh, all people are called by the gospel according to second Thessalonians chapter two. And so, uh, this idea of a total transformation, obviously the word, but a total change, a complete and total change from being, uh, this is who you were, but this is who you are now. Uh, so I think right. that's uh, a really good way to describe it. I appreciate your thoughts on that. Kind of transitioning then to our, to our second point that we want to discuss. Now that we know what it means to transform, Kayla, why, would, why is it important to transform? I think, you know, you look at our world around us and you see our society, our culture and how they cling to all of these worldly material things and how their vision and their focus is all fleshly and all of these, you know, they put their trust and their hope and their love in all of the things in the world and how we're called to be different. We are called like you said, as the church, it's that word ecclesia, we are called out. We are supposed to be different from the world. And so it's important for us to transform 
to not be like the world and to being Christians, to be someone who Jesus would have us to be. Um, I think about this idea of, you go back to Luke chapter two, and you think about Jesus Christ. We talk about the, the son of man, the, the son of God, the right. deity himself, right. and how even he, in a sense, transformed. Because you look at Luke chapter two and verse 52, you remember he was there in the temple. Mm-hmm. He was teaching and learning from the men who were around them. But then later on in that verse, it says that he grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. He was going through that transforming process as well in the sense that he still had to grow into who he was um, because he was just a boy. And so we also, as Christians, I think it's a lesson for us. We can always continue to grow. We can always continue to get better and to continue to transform ourselves into somebody um, who's better, into somebody that, that's better you know, tomorrow than we were today. And today we're better than we were yesterday. Um, and then I think, you know, I, I go back to Revelation chapter three and I think about the church at Laodicea mm-hmm. and how they were a stagnant church. They weren't transforming. They weren't growing. They weren't moving in the right direction. They were what I call a stagnant church. And Jesus Christ calls them the lukewarm church. And how I think it's so important for us to make sure that when we look at ourselves, I mean, that's, I mean, you think, when you think about the church there, ultimately what brought their downfall was how they viewed themselves because they thought that they were, they were wealthy, they were rich, they weren't in need of anything. They thought they were great. They thought, I guess, in a sense, they thought they were transforming into something better than what they were. Right. But then when Jesus uh, analyzed them, he says, you're wretched, you're poor, you're miserable, you're blind. He says, you're not doing what you say you are. And so we need to make sure that we're not um, being stagnant. But then also I think the, the last thing I think is, you know, just being that example to the world around us. Obviously, we have come out of the world. and We are now Christians. We are baptized believers. We are part of the body of Christ. Um, but now we're that example to the world around us. And we can show them, look, it may be difficult. It might be hard. It might be something that we don't really want to do. But it's a process that we have to go through in order to be who we need to be. It's that transforming process to not be like those in the world around us and to, and to grow and to transform into being a Christian, being someone who God would have us to be. And so when we do that, we're being that example to the, to the world around us and we're showing them, look, you can make it through. You can get through this process. I mean, there's, and we're going to talk about this later on, but there's so many examples, uh, you know, throughout scripture of individuals who made, who endured that process and made it out to the other side. Absolutely. I think it's, it's huge to saying that, that you want to be better. And so it's not just this idea of uh, maybe an outward change, but you're still holding on to some things. No, this is a total change. You're going to be better. You're going to be stronger. And I like that you brought out being a, an example. Uh, the world needs to see something is different about you. And that's right. important. Uh, right. Also, I think we could add to that is if we want to be true followers of Christ, then our old man or our old woman of sin must be done away with. Uh, here's the idea there in Romans 6, 3 through 6, of being, you know, put that old man of sin to death, being buried with Christ in baptism, and then rising to walk in newness of life. And that word right. new, it's, it's a brand new thing. I like what Brother John D. Berry always says, that uh, sometimes we bury that old man of sin and we try to dig him back up. But mm-hmm. if you're transformed, you don't do that. Uh, you're going to keep him, keep him down and keep him there uh, because, like you said, you want to be better and you want to have a good example, set a good example for others. Right. What do you think about it? Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to recap what we've talked about. Go ahead. I was just saying, you know, you, th- you, t- you made up a good, you brought up a good point. You talk about not going back it, and you transform. It's not like, it's not like a flip flop process. You're not, you know, yeah. you're going forward. You're not taking one step forward, then two steps back. You're always putting that one foot in front of the other. Now that's not to say that sometimes you fail. Sometimes you make mistakes and you do falter. 
but the whole goal is is to continue to move forward and continue to grow and to not step backwards and to not fall off of that you know the straight and narrow path. So I think I think it's important to know that you know it's a full complete change and that we're always going forward. We're not allowing ourselves to take steps back and go back into who we used to be. Yeah, and and two. I think there might be a lot of new converts that may get discouraged early on because of that. Right. Like they know, right. okay, I've obeyed the gospel. There's a new change, but they're still having to struggle with things. And I've talked to some, some new converts and they said, I didn't think I'd have to struggle with that anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, it's important to emphasize that it doesn't mean you're not going to struggle. It doesn't mean you're not going to have difficult times. Uh, but there, there certainly is a, a, a huge change that takes place. And like you said, you're always moving forward. You know, don't, don't right. take a step back and stay there. Keep, keep growing, keep moving forward. All right. What do you think about when you, when you get bat, when you're baptized, it's not, and I think, you know, take this with a grain of salt. It's not like a magical process in the sense that as soon as you come back up out of the water, everything's going to be perfect and everything's going to be right. so much better. You know, in the sense that it is better because, you know, you're a Christian, you have something far greater to look forward to, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that the process is just going to be, you know, rainbows and butterflies here on out. There's still that growing process. You think about a kid who grows, it's that growing pains. You've got to go through that to be, to come out on the other side, a a better human, a better person, a better Christian. And so you've got to endure process. And I think that that, like you said, that's what can get people down and discouraged. When you get back, when you become a Christian, you know, expect to go through those things, expect that process, the growing pains, but once you're a Christian, you can now look at your brothers and sisters and be like, hey, I need encouragement. I need to lean on you. And that's what we're there for. And that's what makes this whole process easier and so much more worth it because we're able to look at each other and say, I can help you. You can help me. And we're going to get through this together. Absolutely. And that's, that's the goal of this podcast right there, uh, right. weathering the storm. And uh, yeah. being able to do so as a Christian uh, definitely makes it different. Right. So, so far, we've looked at what it means to transform and why it's important to transform. But now we want to think about maybe some examples of those in Scripture who transformed. So, Caleb, if you can uh, just tell us a, a few examples that come to your mind of those in the Scriptures who transformed, and then maybe uh, we could describe what took place to make us say, oh, they transformed. We, it's For sure there was a change that took place. Sure. Well, yeah, I, the first one, I think many people would think of this individual when you talk about transforming into something, somebody different is, is the apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. And you think about how, um, as he, we know he's a Pharisee, we know he was someone who was very prominent among the people there. And yet he tried, um, I guess in a sense, he almost, he almost tried to kill off Christianity in the sense that he literally, you know, dragged people out of their homes. He, he would um, imprison them. He would kill them. He would beat them. He would torture them. Um, you go back to Acts chapter seven, and it talks about how Stephen was um, was stoned for his for for his faith in faith in God. And then the Bible says in chapter I think it's the beginning of chapter eight. They said, "Where do they lay the, lay his clothes, his belongings? At the feet oh, yeah. of Saul." Feet Saul of was man. one of yeah. right. He was the one who was who was in charge of the whole thing. And so you think about someone who was who was literally a killer of Christians, um, and yet. You can go back and you read all throughout the New Testament, all throughout the book of Acts. You go into, and you look at his letters that he wrote to the, to the brethren there throughout the first century and how much of a process there was um, and how, how dedicated he became and how on fire for God he became and how evangelistic he became. And, how, and, I, think, and I think we would call him you know, one of the world's greatest evangelists we've ever seen sure. or ever known of. Um, and obviously, you know, things are a little bit different back in the first century. However, 
it's still, I mean, it's, it's, it still took so much, so much courage and so much effort to go out and do the things that they did. And so the apostle Paul is someone that immediately comes to my mind because you look at someone who was basically at the, at the very bottom of the totem pole of who, of what we might call a good person. He was, he was at the very bottom of his killing Christians, but then he, in a sense, rises to the very top. He goes through this whole transforming process to become someone who became on fire for God and who preached and who taught and who did all that he could to, um, you know, to, to, to spread the, the, the cause of the gospel. And I think about what he said in first Corinthians, um, uh, I think it was first Corinthians 15 verse 31, where he said, uh, to the church, he said, I die daily. He's talking about, I'm putting to death myself every single day. And then I go to Galatians chapter two and verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. And he says, it's no longer I who live. I'm not living. It's no longer me, but who lives in me? Christ. Christ lives in me. And so you see, you can literally see the process there going of him saying, I used to live for myself. I used to do the things that I wanted to do. But now after this process and through this process, I'm now living for Christ because I have crucified the flesh. I've put to death the world and the ways that I wanted to live and I'm not living for God. And so the apostle Paul is somebody who immediately comes to mind. But then I also think about another example is, and I think maybe not many people think about him, but I think about Thomas, you know, what is You know, a lot of people are known for a lot of different things in the Bible. Like David is known for being a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think about Paul. He's known for first being a killer of Christians, but then being one of the greatest apostles ever. Thomas literally has the name doubting associated <laughs> with him. He's yeah. known as doubting Thomas. Um, but then you can, you can go to John chapter 20. And you look there at the end of the chapter and how, John, uh, how Thomas, um, he didn't believe. He didn't believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. He was, he was doubting. He had, he had no faith um, that, that Jesus had risen. But then you remember when Jesus appeared to them and he said, put your, put your hand um, basically where the nails had been and, and, and my side where the, where the spear had been. And so Thomas did it and he suddenly realized, you know, he was, he was in the wrong and he said, what did he say there at the end of verse? I think it's the end of verse 28. He yeah. said, my Lord, my God. God. That's right. Exactly. And, and so you can literally see the transforming process in him. He Going from someone who doubted, someone who had no faith at all, which is crazy because you think about the fact that Thomas had been with Jesus. He was one of his, he's one of his disciples and his apostles. He had been with him. He had seen all the things that Jesus had done on this earth. And yet he still didn't believe at the end. But then it took what Jesus did for him to suddenly say, okay, this is real. My Lord and my God, you are who you say you are. Um, so I think that's interesting. Uh, but Thomas is definitely someone you can see the transforming process. But I think it's also important that we're going we're gonna to see this as we go through this, I'm sure, the, the humbleness and the humility that is, that is associated with this idea of transforming. Because you have to be willing to look at yourself and be like, I was wrong. You got to say it and know it and believe it. I was wrong. I made mistakes. I was not who I needed to be. So now it's time for me to grow into somebody better. Um, I think that's, I think that's what holds a lot of people back um, is the idea of admitting that they were wrong. It's that idea of pride and arrogance and not wanting to, to look and say, Hey, there's things in my life um, that, um, that are wrong. Um, and the last one I, I think of is Peter. And obviously there's a lot, a lot of different things about Peter, but I think I go back to Galatians chapter two um, and how he was eating with the Gentiles. And then when, when certain brethren came, he would back off like, Oh, I'm not associated with them anymore. Mm-hmm. And so basically he's a hypocrite. Um, you think about the fact in Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, John 18, he denies Jesus Christ. And so you see Peter, you know, doing a lot of things he shouldn't have been doing. And yet we also know Peter, to be the one who preached the first gospel sermon in Acts chapter two, and who would go on to do so many great things for the cause of Christ. And so again, I think it's in a sense, it's kind of someone like Paul who necessarily wasn't the greatest person, 
but then he would transform to being one of the greatest leaders that we would ever know and ever read about mm-hmm. in the first century. And so, you know, it, it's interesting when you look at individuals in the first century and how, you know, where they came from and to where they ended up being in life. Um, and I think that's such an example for us to know, you know, we, there's, it's a growing process for us too. We're not going to immediately and magically just become the greatest person ever. It's a growing process that we've got to put that time, that work, and that effort into it um, in order, to, in order to, to be transformed. And I think we can see that. And obviously, there's so many more that we could go into. And I think you've got some that you want to talk about too. Mm-hmm. But there's so many examples throughout the Bible that we can see of individuals who transformed. Yeah, and I, those are great. And you did a great job explaining that. And, and I think Thomas might be the one that, like you said, we might not think about as one to transform. But, you know, in right. John 11, when you know, Jesus was going to go and raise Lazarus from the dead, it's recorded there that Thomas said, who's ready to die with Jesus? But there was something about, like you said, there was something holding him back. He wasn't there the first time, you know, when Jesus came back. What he needed was evidence. And once the evidence was presented to him, like you said, you see that total change. And I think that's comforting for people in the world today that may be lost. Uh, when you're presented with the truth, you're presented with the evidence, you can change. You can be forgiven right. of all that you've done. Thomas is a great example of that. Paul's a great example of that. And, of course, Peter, that you said, I think Peter is a the, the great example of the growing pains. Uh, you, you brought that out. He denied Jesus three times. He took his eyes off of him on the water. But, yeah, then you have him serving as an elder in the Lord's church, writing those two great epistles to encourage others. Uh, so great, great examples. All three of those are perfect examples of those who transform. I was thinking about this concept going back to the Old Testament. Uh, the first one that came to mind was Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, in Daniel chapter 2, we have Nebuchadnezzar having that golden image, you know, and, and right. hear the sound of the music, everybody bowed down. So Nebuchadnezzar viewed himself as, as a god. Uh, but then in right. a few chapters later, he's going to learn that the Most High rules in the kingdoms of men. And you have Nebuchadnezzar right. out in the wilderness like an animal. There was a right. transformation that took place, uh, and it took that to humble him. And you mentioned that humility is a part of transformation. It took that to humble Nebuchadnezzar. And I I believe when we look at the overall, uh, what is said about Nebuchadnezzar, that in the final analysis, he was one who uh, feared God. Uh, He was a man who uh, had a respect for God. Let's put it that way. Uh, Going from one who thought himself to be a God, we see the change take place. He understands there's one true God in heaven. Uh, yes, it took some some powerful miracles, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, for example, for him to come to that conclusion. Uh, it took him being out in the wilderness to come to that conclusion. Uh, but much like Thomas, when he was presented with the evidence, he was willing to make the changes necessary. So Nebuchadnezzar is one that comes to mind. Another is Manasseh. And we know Manasseh is, is one of the most uh, wicked rulers there. Uh, in 2 Kings twenty one sixteen, it says that Manasseh shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. And besides his sin by which he made Judah sin and doing evil in the sight of the Lord. So because of Manasseh's sin and because of his bad choices, uh, that was a contributing factor into the people of God going into captivity. And you think about all these bad Kings, they would look back to Manasseh. They did evil just as Manasseh had done. Uh, but then in second Chronicles 33, we have verse 13, 18, and 23. In these three passages, I summed it up. First, he knew that the Lord was God. Second, he prayed to God. And then third, he humbled himself. 
And so I really hope that Nebuchadnezzar and Manasseh both made it, <laughs> you know, I hope yeah. to see them in heaven one day. I hope that they turned it around. Uh, but those right. are two that, that, you know, you could look at here's who they were before. Uh, but after, uh, Considering all that God has done, the greatness of God, we could say there was a transformation that took place, a total change. Uh, so those are two examples that popped out from the Old Testament. And then one final example, going back to the New, are, are those in Ephesus. And it's recorded in Acts 19. There were those who had practiced magic. But then after they were converted, the Bible says in verse 19 of Acts 19 that they came and they burned their books. And the cost of it was 50,000 pieces of silver. And according to Kaufman's commentary, that could have been worth anywhere from $9,000 to $35,000. So I would say it's a transformation that took place. They no longer follow that, and what a dramatic way to show, hey, I'm done with that life. That's not who I am anymore. Um, I think you mentioned that with Paul in Galatians too. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer me who lives. And so that's a part of transformation. Whoever you were before, whatever – you know, made you that person, you're done with that because of this transformation process. So I think hopefully we've given our listeners you know, six examples there, uh, those in scripture. I, I think that's encouraging because these are men just like we are. These are human beings, you know, who made mistakes, uh, but there was hope for them and there's hope for everybody to transform. Uh, when the evidence is presented to you to be accountable, like you said, to be humble, and you can change for the better and be a better person and be a, a true servant for, for God the Father. I think you can also see, too, when it's, it's not enough, I guess, and what I'm trying to say, it's not enough just to say it. You can say, I'm transforming. You can say, I'm doing this, I'm growing, I'm, I'm doing all these things. But when you look at every single one of these examples, well, what's associated with that? Well, they're backing up their words with their actions. Oh, yeah. And they're showing you proving to you through the way they live their lives and through the choices that they make that they are transforming, that they are growing, they are doing something different and something better. And so it's, it's not enough just to say, I'm transforming. It's not enough just to profess it, but you've got to actually show it. And we can see that through all of these examples. It's got to be in your actions. You can say it all you want. It doesn't matter how much you say it, how often you say it, how you say it. Well, if your actions don't back up yours, it doesn't matter at all. So we've got to make sure that you know, we're not just we're not just just saying it, but we're actually acting it out in our lives. Yeah, that's a great point, and I, and I think all these individuals bring that out, uh, especially those in Ephesus. That's why I brought that point out. It's a right. what a right. dramatic way, you know, burning all their books, and they didn't care about the cost of that because exactly that was nothing compared to hey, I'm going to change, and that's that was Paul. I count all these things yeah. but loss, uh, Philippians mm-hmm. chapter three. So. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's not enough, you know, it's not lip service alone. It's, it's backing it up. Um, you know, let us not love in, in, in word only, but in deed and in truth, John would write. So great, great points uh, to bring out so far. And so uh, we, we've looked at the definition of transformation, what it means to transform, why it's important to transform. And we've given our, our listeners six examples uh, of those who have transformed. But with our time remaining, we're going to look at three passages in the New Testament. Uh, these are all written by the inspired Apostle Paul. Interesting that the one who transformed is writing to brethren to help them transform. Uh, we want to look at these three passages together and go through them and then conclude this episode by giving some practical advice to our listeners, uh, maybe how they can apply these passages to their life and how it can help them to weather the storm by transforming. 
So the first passage we want to discuss is Romans 12, 1 and 2. And Caleb, if you have your Bible with you, I want to ask you to read that for us, if you don't mind. Um, and then we'll look at that passage together. Yeah, Romans chapter 12, uh, beginning in verse 1, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what comes to your mind there in that passage as far as what it means to transform? I think the first the first thing that pops up to me is the second word in Romans chapter 12 and verse one, that word beseech yeah. Paul is, in, I picture this idea of Paul on his knees, just begging with these people. I am begging you. This is how important this is. This is how much weight is held onto this because it is so important. I'm begging you. I'm literally on my knees beseeching you. Um, make sure you're doing what it is I'm about to ask you. And I also think it's important to notice here when he says, by the mercies of God, yeah. we aren't doing anything we are on this earth if it wasn't for the mercy of God. We, not, we, aren't who, we are not who we are. Paul was not who he was. The brethren at Rome were not who they were without the mercy of God. And so we've got to know that as we move forward that everything we do is because of God. God allows us to do all these things. And so it's to the mercies of God. That's who, that's who we give credit to for right. allowing us to be able to do all of these things, for allowing us even the opportunity to transform. He says, by the mercy of God, this is how it's going to happen. And then I think about this idea of, of, you know, giving yourself to God as a living sacrifice, something that's holy, something that's pure, blameless, something that's morally perfect, um, which is acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You know, I think so oftentimes we are so good at mentioning um, all of the good things that we do in life. You know, and I think about, um, I, I think about in Luke chapter 18, I actually preached about this last Sunday, um, yeah. where Jesus and the rich young ruler yeah. were, were talking. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's basically said, or Jesus gives him, you know, make sure you do all these things, but you're doing all these things. He lists the five, five of the 10 commandments. Uh, what does the rich man say? He says, I already do all these things. I'm already doing all these Exactly. He says, I've already done all these things. And if you look at Matthew's account in Matthew 19, uh, Matthew adds at the end that he says, what do I still lack? It's almost like he's saying, what else is there for me to do? You know, exactly. I've already done all these things. What else do you want me to do? Um, and so then the point of that obviously was Jesus was saying, you know, he's talking about his wealth and his riches, but it could, it could have been anything for any of us if we were in that situation. What's the one thing that's standing between you and your relationship with God? And so he's saying, you need to transform yourself. Get out of that. You know, don't allow those things to stand in that way. Um, and it's this idea of putting to death all of the things in the world that mean so much to us. And we're putting them out, getting them out of the way. Again, uh, I mentioned Galatians chapter five, Galatians chapter two. Um, and you think about, I also think about Luke chapter nine, um, where, where it talks about, um, Verse actually says on mine. Let me look it up. Let me make sure I make sure I read this correctly. Luke chapter um, Luke chapter nine. You look at verse uh, verse twenty four. Jesus says, "Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it." And so, you know, I I know like it's okay to mention all the things that we're good at. Jesus wants to know those things. He wants to see those things as well. But I would beg to say that he's more interested at how good we are at dying in, in the in the spiritual sense. Um, you know. And we need to spend so much more time focusing on um, dying to self and living for Christ instead of doing it the other way around. Um, I think so often we get so so focused on the world and everything in it. Uh, but then you jump into, into verse verse two, kind of the main crux of all this, where he talks about this idea of being sort of transformed and not being conformed. Right. Um, and I I think 
the, one of the greatest examples, and you actually brought this up, but one of the greatest examples of not conforming is going back to Daniel chapter three and you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah. Uh, and you look there at verse seven, the Bible says that all nations, all people, all languages fell down and worship this golden image. And so there's literally not a single person who's not doing this <laughs> except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you think about it, they were young men. They weren't, they weren't necessarily older, mature men that we might think about. They were young men mm-hmm. who were still standing up for what was right in the midst of all of these people, in the midst of the king, the king himself. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, it's a, you know, they didn't, they didn't do it. They didn't conform to everybody just because nobody else was going to stand up with them. It was just going to be just them three. It didn't matter to them. They were still going to do what was right no matter what. And so they were not conforming to the world, but in the sense they were transforming. And like you mentioned too, it, it's it, because of what they did, it led Nebuchadnezzar to understand and realize who God re- truly and really was. And so because of their example, they were able to help someone else. And then I think about in Acts chapter 5, you know, the apostles there, they were being persecuted for teaching about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and they were brought before the council. They were told not to preach and teach. And what did, um, what did Paul say in verse 29? He said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Mm-hmm. And then you go back down to verse 40, and it says they, count, they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They, they were rejoicing because they were able to have been persecuted for teaching and preaching about the cause of Jesus Christ. And so um, I think it's so important when we talk about this idea of transforming to, to think not, you know, it has to do so much with our actions and how we're going to live our, live our lives and making sure that we're giving everything we have to God. We're not, we're not living for the world. We're, we're sweeping out of the way all of those things that are going to stand in between us um, and our relationship with God. And that is all involved in this transforming process. We're constantly sweeping these things out of the way, constantly making sure that um, our priorities are right in life and that we're giving God everything that we have in this life. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the idea of not being conformed, that's such a contrast, the word conformed and the word transformed. Word conformed carries the idea of being molded to or being molded right. by something. Uh, great example there was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for sure. I mean, they were not conformed to the world. I, I often say from the pulpit, we are in the world, but we must not be of the world. Uh, right. Titus 2, 11 and 12, you know, speaks of living in this present age, but living soberly, righteously, and godly. Uh, and so we can be in this world, but we don't have to be of it. In fact, uh, like you mentioned, Paul says, I'm begging you. He's on his knees. Beg- don't be conformed to this world. In, in fact, 2 Corinthians 6, going into ch- 2 Corinthians chapter 7, he says, come out from among them and be separate. Uh, you be holy. You be different. Uh, because as God's people, we are to be different. Uh, so, do not be conformed, do not be molded to this world, but be transformed. And then I think the phrase here that, that really jumps out is by the renewing of your mind. And so transformation happens in the mind. Uh, right. and we also think about repentance. And you bring out a great point saying it's, it's more about your action, you know, than what you just say. Repentance, too, is, is more about your action. You can say all day right. long, I repent. But if you keep going back to that and keep doing it, have you really repented? Have you really changed? So repentance is defined as a change of mind that brings about a change of action. Well, you know, really, we could define transformation that way, too. Transformation is a change of mind that brings about a change of action. Uh, it, it changes the way that, that you see things. It changes the way that you do things. So here Paul says, be transformed. This is how you do it, by the renewing of your mind. 
And then he says in the end of verse two, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, I also appreciate that you brought out by the mercies of God. Uh, it's our reasonable service when we consider how merciful God has been to us. And we consider the provisions that he's made for us through his son, through his word, through all the blessings that he gives us. It's only reasonable that we should want to be transformed to be better, to be better equipped right. for his service. And so Romans 12, 1 and 2, I believe, is one of the main passages when you think about the idea of transformation. Um, so I appreciate your comments on that. The second verse we want to discuss is Colossians 1, 9 through 11. And this, of course, is the Apostle Paul writing again to the brethren there in Colossae. This is uh, some brethren who were dealing with uh, some secular things, some worldly wisdom. Uh, and so he, he wants to write to emphasize the deity of Christ, the preeminence that Jesus has as head of the church. But he offers a prayer for these brethren. And, and this prayer here kind of carries what we talked about in Romans 12, 1 and 2, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is how you do it right here. This is how you have your mind renewed. And so I hope that this passage will help our listeners to understand this is what it means to be transformed. This is how you do it. Uh, Paul lays it out for us. So I want to read that for us. Uh, Colossians 1, 9 through 11 written for the New King James. It says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy. Now that, brother, is a loaded burst. <laughs> That's a loaded passage. <laughs> you could preach an entire gospel meeting on that, those two verses right there. I mean, that's, right. there's a whole lot there. But I think what we have here, and Brother Walker, one of our instructors at Memphis School of Preaching, who has now gone on to his reward, he was a longtime editor of the Shenandoah Lectures out in Texas. And, and I've got one of his lectureship books, and the entire lectureship was based on this passage. And he called it the cycle of uh, transformation and spiritual growth. And so I thought, well, let's, let's look at this passage, and what do we see here uh, that may, you know, help someone to transform? The first thing is, it says, be filled with the knowledge of his will. So if we want to change our mind, we have to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. How does that knowledge come about? Well, reading, studying. Uh, Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. 2 Timothy two fifteen, study to show yourself approved. 2 Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. So uh, it's, it's very important if we want to be transformed to be filled with the knowledge of, of his will. But then he says that you may walk worthy of the Lord. So Caleb, I want to ask you, what exactly would you say that means, <laughs> walking worthy of the Lord? I, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind when you talk about walking worthy is this idea of, of walking in such a way that, you know, what Jesus has done for us is not in vain. You know, Jesus came to this, to this earth. He, he lived that perfect life and he offered himself on that cross for us. And so we need to walk worthy of Jesus and what he's done for us. And so that means we're doing all that we can to the best of our ability um, to abide by the word of God, you know, to the T, to, you know, as much as we can to, in, in every way that we can, in every aspect of our lives. 
Um, and I think involved with that is what, you know, what you mentioned, being filled with knowledge. In order to know how to do that, we have to be filled with knowledge. That's right. Because otherwise we don't know how. We don't know how. And I think it's also interesting um, when he says be filled with the knowledge, I, I think to me it, it pictures this idea of, uh, of this cup that's completely full. You're not leaving room for anything else. You're not leaving room for the world. You're not leaving room for distractions. The only thing that you have room in your life for is God and his word. And that is how you're going to walk worthy um, is you're going to be completely immersed, completely submerged in the word of God to see how you ought to live his life. So many places in the Psalms, it talks about how um, his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We follow his word. He's going to guide us. He's going to direct us. So I think that's so important. And that's what comes to my mind when we talk about walking worthy um, of the Lord. Walk in such a way to where his sacrifice is not in vain. Walk in and try, you know, obviously we will never, ever um, be, I guess, we will never be worthy of the sacrifice of what he's that's done right. for us. We will sure, never, sure. ever get there, but we can at least try. We can, you know, put that as our goal and to always strive to attain it, even though we will never actually be able to reach that goal, if that makes sense. Yeah, oh, absolutely does. And, and, you know, Paul told the brethren in Ephesus to walk worthy of the vocation, where would they have been called? Right. Uh, and so there is this contrast between a worldly walk and a worthy walk. And you mentioned it. I love that phrase. That's really good. Uh, that the sacrifice of Christ isn't in vain. We, we, we continue to live our lives as a living sacrifice. We've, we're dead to sin, but alive to God through Christ. Go back to Romans 12, 1 to 2, but you're right. It, that's kind of why this is viewed as a cycle. First, you, you have to be filled with the knowledge of his will, because without that, like you said, you won't be able to walk worthy of the Lord. But if right. you're filled with the knowledge of his will, then you can walk worthy. And the next phrase says, fully pleasing him. We're doing all this to the glory of God. We're doing all this to, to bring him the glory, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. But also connected with being fully pleasing, it goes on in this passage to say being fruitful in every good work. Uh, Jesus on one occasion said, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit, John 15, 8. We have to bear fruit in the kingdom if we're going to be pleasing to God. If we don't have the knowledge of his will, if we're not walking worthy of the Lord, if we're not uh, continuing to walk in the light, then how will we be able to be fruitful? And so all these things go together. And then the final thing I wanted to, to look at in this passage, it says increasing in the knowledge of God. You mentioned something that, that I think is important to bring out. Be filled with the knowledge of his will. If you're filled with something, like you said, there's no room for this other things, contamination, whatever. So first he says be filled, but then he says increase in it. What, uh, mm -hmm. how, would you, how would you, I guess, explain that to someone who may say, well, if I'm already filled with it, how can I increase with it? Maybe talk about the importance of continuing to increase in the knowledge of God's will. I think there's always room to improve. Um, we should never, ever think that we have, in a sense, arrived. Sure. Um, that our destination is always and will always and forever be in front of us. We will never reach where we need to be because there is so much that we can do so much we can know and i think about this idea of a cup that just overflows we are there's so much room for growth we will continue overflowing it will just continue pouring out of us um the more we continue to grow i think about you know Gar brother garland elkins one of the you know man who probably knew the bible better than anybody else i've ever yeah. known um and yet he would always tell he would always tell us in class the greatest room in my life is the room for improvement yeah. and so it's this idea of constantly and always growing, constantly and always learning, constantly and always increasing. There's always another level that we can reach. We can always surpass where we've been. Um, and so I, that's what comes to my mind, just 
always growing, always increasing, always learning because there's always something to learn. If you're, if you're reading the Bible and you're not learning anything, then you're not reading it the right way. You're not studying it the right way because every time you open up the word of God, you should be able to learn something new. You should be able to grasp something and be able to apply it to your life. And so if you're not, then you maybe need to rethink the way you're studying because there's always a way to increase every time you open up the word of God. That's right. And I think, like you said, and, and looking at both these passages, this ought to be encouraging to us as Christians, uh, to those who are, are weathering the storm right now, you're going through a difficult time. Maybe it's, maybe it's you're struggling with your faith. I don't know about you, Caleb, but I've talked to a lot of brethren that have come out and said that. I am struggling with my faith. I'm struggling with my prayer life. I'm not studying my Bible like I should. People are being consumed with the media right now and all the chaos. And, and here we find that if we want to make the transformation, if we want to weather this, this storm that is 2020, we're going to do it by going to the Word of God, continually uh, going to it, that it might transform us because that's what the Word of God can do. It's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. We find in Hebrews 4.12. It has the power to change our lives. And the, the Word of God has the power to completely transform us. But if we don't go to it, and if we don't apply it, it's not going to do that. So right. it's not that we're limiting the power of God. I'm not trying to suggest that at all. But if we don't apply what we're reading and studying, then there won't be a transformation. Uh, we have to right. put forth that effort. And I think both of these passages speak to our part. God has done his part. You know, the mm -hmm. mercies of God. Look at, look at all that God has done. Uh, you know, he's done it for us. Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. God has given us his word. He's preserved his word. But we've got to be willing to go to it and allow it to change us. Uh, right. These are not just mere words to read and close, your, you know, close it and check it off and go about your, your life. These are the wonderful words of life. These are the words that ought to, to change the way we think and change the way we live. So I think, you know, both of those passages, Romans 12, 1 and 2, Colossians 1, 9 through 11, this, this idea of transformation, but pertinent to our topic, pertinent to this podcast of weathering the storm. I, I hope this will be encouraging to our listeners. Uh, you don't have to stay where you're at. If right now you're at a place where you're struggling with your faith or, or you find yourself going back into the world, that's okay if that's where you're at, but don't stay there. You don't have to stay right. there. You continue to grow, like you said earlier, uh, continue to make these changes every day and grow closer to God. And the only way we're going to do that is through communication. God communicates to us through his word, so we've got to spend time in it. And we communicate to God through prayer. And so by, by being filled with the knowledge of his will, by walking worthy, by being fruitful, by increasing the knowledge of God, we can be transformed. And hopefully it'll help us to weather the storm. So Caleb, I appreciate your great thoughts on both of those passages. Uh, and now we come to a final passage, and that is 2 Corinthians 5.17. If you have that, I'd ask you to read that, please. Yeah, for sure. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul's writing to the church here at Corinth. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Thank you very much. So I, I love, and I've preached this before, Brother Cliff Goodwin preached this at PTP a couple of years ago, and he entitled it Under New Management. And I've mm. preached that exact sermon with that exact title, of course, uh -huh. giving him the credit as I am now because he did a you know, great job with it. But first, it's important to notice the phrase, if anyone is in Christ. And to our listeners who may not be Christians, uh, the Bible speaks of what it 
what you must do to be in Christ. And that is, of course, being baptized into Christ. We mentioned Romans 6, 3 through 6. Galatians 3, 27 is another passage. You, you are baptized into Christ. You put on Christ. Uh, we think about Acts 22, 16. Uh, Paul, you know, Saul was told to arise and be baptized, to uh, have his sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. So when you obey the gospel, you're coming in contact with the blood of Christ that has the power to wash away your sins. And so that first phrase is important. If anyone is in Christ, and so this is speaking to one who is a Christian, one who has come out of the world and into Christ through obedience to the gospel. If you are in Christ, notice what that means. You are a new creation. And we've talked about newness. We've talked about uh, what it means to, to be a, a creation, to be transformed. He is a new creation. But then notice this language. Old things have passed away, but that's not enough. Behold, all things have become new. If that doesn't describe a transformation, I don't know what does. Everything right. changes when you become a Christian. Everything. The way you talk, the way you think, the way you dress, your influence, the way you approach every single day. Everything changes when you become a Christian. And so thinking about this verse, Caleb, what, what comes to your mind as far as being a new creation, having old things passed away, and all things becoming new? I think the, the first word that pops out to me is the word if, therefore, if anyone. So it's showing yeah. it's possible that this is not, this also could not be the case for you. Um, yeah. You could make changes in your life to where you're not in Christ. And so I yeah. think that's important to write those right off the bat. This could not, the, you know, the, the being a new creation, having your old things passed away, everything becoming new, that it's possible for you to not to attain that. You have to make that choice for yourself. It's a, it's a contingency if it's going to happen. You've got to make that choice for yourself. So that's the first thing that pops up. But then the second thing, when he talks about this idea of old things have passed away, it's so important for individuals to know as Christians, like you said, it's a, it's a complete change. Everything in your life is now gone. The, the things in the world are now gone. You're not clinging onto them anymore. There is a, it's a, you are completely cut off. It's not like you can hold on to a couple of things and it'll be okay. It's not like you can, you know, you can drink a couple drinks of alcohol every now and again, and you'll be all right. You can, um, you know, you can watch this or that just, just every now and again, it says old things have passed away. Everything that is old, everything that's in the world, everything that is associated with the world and all the fleshly lusts and desires, all of that is completely gone away. Um, and then he says he's a new creation. And that, that's, to me, that's, that's a beautiful picture in my mind. Oh, he is a new creation, something that is completely clean, completely pure, something that has, you know, I, I think so, you know, we, we talk, we've talked about Bibles before and how we mm -hmm. like, you know, um, some, you know, the premium Bibles or whatever, and some Bibles are nicer than others. You think about a Bible that, you think about an old Bible, one that's scratched up, it's pages falling out, and you send it off to somebody and they could rebind it and make it something that's, that's, that's new in a sense. It's something that is no scratches, no marks on it. It feels good in the hand. Something that's new, that's what, in a sense, we're becoming when we become Christians. We're becoming yeah. something new, something that's unblemished, something that is untainted, unstained, and we can attain that. But again, if you're in Christ and the only way to do that is through baptism. And so if you want to be that new creation, if you want to be that new creature, if you want to be something that's pure and holy and righteous, something that's untainted and unstained before the sight of God, then you've got to become a Christian. And that is on the way to do that is Galatians 327 baptism through him. So I think that, so that's a couple of things that come out, uh, that come out in my mind. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mentioned that, that sermon title uh, under new management, you think about a, 
maybe an old restaurant that used to be thriving and it's, it's run down. Uh, people stop coming to it. It's just the windows are beat up. You know, nobody's coming. Well, then somebody comes and says, Hey, I want to buy this property. I, I, I see potential here. I see a, a possibility for something good to come out of this. And so this new manager comes and he, he completely transforms the room. He changes the floors. He changes the windows. He, he changes the menu. He changes the color. He puts up a new sign. And then they put the sign in the window that says, come see us. We are under new management. There's a total change that took place. Well, God can look at someone who's broken. God can look at someone who has sin consuming their life and say, I see potential. I see something that, that can be great. And so for someone to be willing to submit to the will of God, they can be transformed. They can be under new management. And once nobody wanted anything to do with them, but now there's a change that takes place. And so when the world right. sees someone who has been called out of the world and into Christ, they ought to see that. That individual is different. That individual is under new management. I'm not under you know, my own management. I'm not submitting to, uh, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care. No, and I'm a Christian. That, that changes. And you mentioned it time and time again, humility. Uh, I think submission, those are two words that come out. And just right. constantly trying to get better because there's a change that has taken place. And so, you know, I think those three verses right there will hopefully help our listeners to see, you know, you can make the change and you can be better. You don't have to stay where you're at. You don't have to dwell on, you know, all the negative things. Change the right. way you think, change the way you live. And God can, can use you for his glory and you can do some wonderful things in the kingdom. And so now that we've kind of discussed, you know, a lot of passages, we've, we've defined terms. We've looked at several examples in the scriptures and specifically these three passages. As we close out this episode, Caleb, what practical advice can you give our listeners that may help them weather the storm by transforming? Let, let me give you a, a four point sermon here. And I obviously right. we won't go in. <laughs> we won't go in depth in any of this, but the first, the first point is this is the word design. Um, the word transforming is by design. Um, we make mistakes. Romans 3, 23, first Kings eight forty six. A lot of passages in scripture show us that we make mistakes. We're not perfect. Um, so it's by design that we are to go through this transforming process that we are to go through these growing pains because we're free moral agents. We have free will. We make our own decisions. And sometimes we don't make the right decisions but this transforming process comes into play and we are constantly growing into something greater, into something better. And this is by, it's by design. This transforming process is for us to get to the other side and to become the best that we can be. That's point number one. Number two is the word desire. It has to be our desire. If we want to weather the storms of life through transforming, it's got to be our desire. It won't just happen for us. It's not going to, nobody's going to do it for us. You know, God's not going to do it for us. Our brothers and sisters aren't going to do it for us. We have to be willing to do it ourselves. We've got to put forth the work. We've got to put forth the effort. We've got to put forth the will to transform ourselves. And that includes all these things we've talked about, putting the world away leaving the world behind, becoming that new creature. All those old things have passed away and we're looking forward and ahead and we're reaching out towards that goal, which is heaven above. So it has to be our desire. Number three, uh, there has to be dedication in our, in our hearts. Once we desire that, that desire has to continue to stay there. It's got to be something that we are fully, completely and wholly dedicated to in this life. I think about passages where it talks about um, where to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul all of our mind and all of our strength, with all of our being with every ounce that we have, 
we have to be putting forth that effort towards transforming into something better and something far greater than what we ever could be. And so that word dedication comes to mind. And then the last word is this word deliverance. Um, so many times in life we become discouraged and we become downtrodden and we be We go through the trials and the hardships and the struggles of life. I mean, you think about the year 2020, nobody saw any of this ever happening. Nobody saw the pandemic. Nobody could know, knew that we were going to be quarantined. Nobody could envision the riots and the looting and the violence, and, you know, all these horrible and terrible things that are happening in 2020. There's something so much far. There's something so far greater than what we're ever having to go through. Something far greater than this life that we've ever known and we can be delivered to that. God obviously is our great deliverer. He can deliver us to that. However, we have to go through that transforming process. So you want to hit that deliverance at the end, weather the storms of life by transforming. Transform yourself, become someone far greater, put your focus on God, put your faith in him, and he'll be able to get you through. And so as we go, you talk about this word design, desire, dedication, and deliverance. If we do all of these things, we will at the end be delivered um, if we continue to transform. But it's got to be that desire. We've got to put forth that effort and that will to make that happen in our lives. That's well said, brother. Well said. That'll preach. And I think uh, <laughs> God is the one who can transform us. But if we don't have the desire, the dedication to meet the design that he has for us, like you said, it won't happen. We won't be delivered. Uh, so you're born into this world with a clean slate, a perfect slate. But as you mentioned, once you give in to sin, that changes. And if you don't take care of that sin, you'll be lost. But if you take right. care of it God's way, and as we mentioned Second 2 Corinthians 5, 17, getting into Christ, putting sin away, now that transformation process can, can, can start. So God is the one who allows us to be transformed. But I love that you brought that out. To desire it, it is important, but it's not enough. Uh, right. You know, to, to be dedicated to it is important, but it's not the end result. The end result, and I love how you said that, is, is deliverance. Uh, think about Romans 8.18. Paul said, I, I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I love that. I think that's a great way to end this episode. Is, is We're going through a lot in 2020, and you mentioned there's no way we could have known what was going to happen. Uh, right. But the way that we respond to it, we can determine that. Coach Estes, you know Coach Estes, my baseball coach at Freed Hardman. He always said the two things you can control are your effort and your attitude. You can't control a lot of other things, but you can control your effort and your attitude. And I think when it comes to transforming and weathering the storm, we can do that today too. We can control those two things. And I think those four points you brought out are, are great. Uh, this idea of, of ultimately being delivered by God the transformation has to take place. You can't right. stay where you're at and expect to, to end at that result. You have to get better and keep growing. And so I would say as we kind of summarize and close it out, by transforming the way you think, you can change the way you live. You can make better decisions that may help you cope with the storms of life, be a better example to those around you, and be pleasing to God. And so, Caleb, I really appreciate your great study. I appreciate your preparation for this. It means a lot to me as the host of this podcast. I know you put a lot into it. Uh, thankful that we've had this time to discuss this, and I hope our listeners will be encouraged to weather the storm by transforming. So, Caleb, once again, man, I really appreciate you. And to our listeners, if you haven't checked out the Transform podcast, I encourage you to do that today. Uh, it is a wonderful, wonderful podcast. Caleb does a great job with it. And as he mentioned, you can find it anywhere where you find your podcast. But 
I certainly appreciate Caleb being on the show, and I hope that this episode in some way will help you to weather the storm. Thank you so much, and may God bless you.